This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Ever wanted to leap tall buildings, uphold the law, solve a crime, but just don't have the time? Go! Go! Tune in to Joy 94.9, Wednesdays from midday, when Victoria Police Gay and Lesbian Liaison Officers Gabby and Scott ask for your help in solving crime. Victoria Police Glows, Crime Stoppers, The Anti-Violence Project and Joy 94.9 working together to help make our community safe. And you are. This is the Victoria Police Community Hour partnership program between Joy 94.9, Victoria Police Glows, The Anti-Violence Project, Crime Stoppers, but most importantly, yourselves listening here at 2 City Didn't Village. leave anyone off. That's exactly right. That voice is Sergeant Electra Wellens from Victoria Police. Hiya, again. And, and what's your role? Oh, my role. I have very... Um, oh, we're talking about my work role. Your okay. work role. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here after all. Um, my main role is to work within the community um, engagement and support team within Victoria Police, so working as a project manager and maintaining uh, my connection with the GLBTI community and um, to relay... Um, any issues that the community may have up through command and vice versa. So um, act as a conduit um, between the community and Victoria Police as well. And also the main focus is actually to increase the trust and get our reporting of any family violence and anything else that happens. We really sort of want to know. So we're really about building up the trust and confidence within GLBTI community and also with the police and how they deal with the community when they come across them as well. So that subject matter, that content expertise within Victoria Police is an important part of the Victoria Police community. And my role, Greg Atkins is my name, the Anti-Violence Project's Executive Director. My role is to be that link from the AVP uh, and community and how we step up and we encourage people to report to triple zero when they're unsafe, but when they're safe, come to the Anti-Violence Project, or if they don't feel comfortable going to police, they come to antiviolence.info and report their violence experiences through our online violence reporting service. And then we hopefully can handshake a relationship with the person that's, experiencing that's exactly violence and you about. guys. And, and it's about that sharing, that sharing of knowledge and sharing of that trust and confidence. And that's why we have our GLOW network um, the way it is. So that's part of my role as well, is, is maintaining that network, um, communicate lines of communication, and their professional development as well about that they're being abreast of different issues um, and worldwide trends as well. Now, on today's show, a bit later on, we're going to talk hopefully with a a person that was standing uh, a couple of blocks away from the World Trade Towers in New York uh, at the time the second plane hit the towers. Uh, We hope to get him on the line. We'll also be uh, exploring... uh, Behind, with the man behind the communication strategy behind No to Homophobia and having a chat with General, uh, Daniel Schooler about what it was to be, it felt like to be part of that whole mm. process, that campaign, mm. and what the campaign is. We've talked about it before, but today is an interesting perspective. Uh, but first, we'll be talking with a person that's uh, in the studio with us now, and she's a fantastic woman who's part of something new that's happening at Victoria Police. Absolutely. And um, we'd like to introduce Kate and Kate Spinks from Victoria Police. And maybe we can hear a little bit about you and what your role is within Victoria Police. Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so, yeah, my name's Kate. I'm uh, 
uh, I work at the Victoria Police Museum. I'm the uh, public programs curator there um, and my role involves uh, curating the temporary exhibitions that we have at the museum uh, as well as developing education programs and presenting education programs for school groups who come through uh, and also um, hosting events um, that relate to our collection and any temporary exhibitions we and have. And I understand you actually had a, a particular launch last night, a very special event. We Didn't did, yes. Um, we, ha- we had the launch for uh, a temporary exhibition that we have actually acquired from the New York City Police Museum. It's called 9-11, A Uniform Response, and it's a photographic exhibition um, of photos that were taken by uh, photographers from the Associated Press, um, just commemorating uh, the work that the first responders did, so police and, you know, fire services um, responding to that um, that event uh, 11 years ago. And um, why, I guess, like, um, it's quite a bit of a coup, really, for Victoria Police to be involved and for yourself uh, to get this exhibition here in Australia because it's the only place that you'll be able to see it is here. That's right, yeah. It's the only Australian venue um, where you'll be able to see the exhibition. Yeah, so uh, we're very lucky. Exactly. And who did you have along last night to help launch? Uh, it was a great evening. We had um, the uh, American Consul General um, and Assistant Commissioner Andrew Crisp uh, open the exhibition, so that was fantastic. We had some um, yeah, very moving and poignant speeches from both of those people. And the Chief was going to attend, but he ended up with um, Assistant Commissioner Andrew Crisp, which was quite apt because he has a solid background in um, terrorism. And, That's right, yeah. And having attended New York himself so I guess it was probably um, quite uh, ironic I guess that he had that opportunity to come along and fill in for the chief at the last minute. That's right and I think it made it all the more sort of personal for him as well yeah Mm. so that was great. We'll probably talk about a few of the images. Um, How many are there all up? There's 22 images in Mm -hmm. the exhibition Um, yeah all incredibly powerful moving uh, images that yeah really do evoke a very emotional response Mm. when you sort of um, yeah, think about the context and you know yeah, what's we'll happening. Yeah, we'll talk about a bit about them and about the background. I guess it's one of those events really in our lives uh, and most recent sort of history where you can remember where you were that day when it occurred. So it does even now, 11 years on, um, and today being in America it is 9-11 that we're mm. the day before, of course. Yep. But for them it is um, in their saying 9-11 where ours is 11 of the ninth, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we won't hold that against them. Um, but it is their day and their um, memorable um, day. So there's a lot on the news at the moment about it. So it's quite um, a coup to even have the timing around this date as well to have it. And if people are really interested and can really sort of think back about where they were today, maybe you could um, text in and let us know where you were when um, you heard about this and um, what you might have been doing? Well, I can give you mine. I was um, doing outreach on the streets of St Kilda. Uh, I worked at the South East Centre Against Sexual Assault. I was doing outreach on the streets of St Kilda with one of the workers from the RED program, Resourcing Health and Education in the Sex Industry. We're out and we just talked to some people that had been subjected to an egging uh, where they've been you know, street sex workers that yeah. were being thrown eggs by carload of hoons. Thankfully, it was eggs instead of fists, which it usually would be. And I mean, eggs, though, can hit a face and pull an eye out. So it's quite severe. And we got word there was something happening, and we ducked back into Paran. And uh, my co 
colleague in the team was a straight guy, a health worker and a straight mm-hmm. guy, and I was a sexual assault counsellor. And we actually, the only place we could find the big TV to go and watch was the sauna in Paran in Porter Street. Oh, the so shame. We ducked in and we uh, <laughs> we sat in the lounge, and it was quite bizarre watching the yeah. watching this pl- this tower on on smoke coming out on flames and we actually were there when the second plane hit the second tower with um, one or two men would wander in wearing towels and at some stage there were about 40 men in towels surrounding the two of us health workers sitting there at the centre of the couches. Mm, Everyone was transfixed Mm. and that whole sauna emptied into this lounge area and men were distressed. There was this palpable degree of distress happening for the human beings that were going through that experience in mm, New York. I can yeah. still feel it now. It's actually quite an emotional it thing is, to think about. I, I must say I'm the same. You just sort of feel the back of your neck when you start to recount where you were in your personal... And this and this photo exhibition actually goes and you actually see the people involved. And I know just looking at it myself, there's a couple of images there when you're reading it and seeing the, the image actually evokes that little chill um, in you about the people that are actually involved and I think it's one of the the still photography really does that where you can really study it and look at it at the scene in so many different ways and you know look at it more than once too because often Mm. enough I guess with the no homophobia campaign we all wanted to see the ads quick see them again we want to see them again but with still photography you can do that you can and it's quite um, I guess really that classic art scene where everyone is quite silent Mm. Um, throughout the exhibition as well. Um, how did? What about last night? How was people's reactions at the official launch last night? Yeah, exactly like that. People, uh, pe- people actually were feeling quite emotional. I think when mm. they were looking at them, um, and uh, yeah, a very sort of um, yeah, quiet contemplation. Um, mm. People spending a lot of time in front of you know the the images and just kind of soaking it in and yeah, getting to coming to grips with you know. Mm what they're seeing in the in the photo well stay with us we're going to talk more about this really interesting exhibition with uh called 9-11 uniformed a uniform response at the victoria police museum with our guest today Catherine spinks kate spinks the curator of the victoria police museum you're on join 94.9 this is the victoria police community hour with sergeant electra wellens from victoria police clothes and greg atkins from the anti-violence project and our special guest in the studio today is the curator of 9-11 a uniform response which is kate Spinks, who's the uh, the person for Victoria Police that's driving this brand new exhibition in Victoria Police Museum. But we thought we'd, we'd ask you out there, what were you doing when the first news came through of 9-11? Now, joining us on the line is Eric Williams. Eric Williams, you were not far away when when uh, the, the planes were impacting the buildings in, in New York. Yes, uh, and uh, good, uh, good day to you. Yes, as a matter of fact, I, I was in New York that day. Uh, working as a reporter, I've gotten a uh, call from a um, a company that I work with called American Urban Radio Networks. They were like a national uh, group, as well as WBAI-FM, which is my regular bread and butter. And I was called up about this uh, plane that had flown into Tower One. Well, I quickly went downtown. I mean, I didn't live too far away from where the ground zero is. And when I emerged from the subway that day, uh, some moments later, I saw the second plane go into Tower 2, and it was pandemonium. What did that feel like to you, knowing that there are people in that building, there is a plane load of people, and you've just emerged from subway, and there's the impact? It was absolutely shocking, and as as uh, have, having worked 
as a reporter, journalist for a number of years and going into war zones, especially in my own hemisphere, principally in Central America, South America, and, you know, being around, uh, you know, carnage, it just all came back to me, you know, but this time on my own home turf. So shocking. Now, the moment there was an impact, what happened? What, what was happening with the people around you when the impact took place? There were thousands of people on the street in lower Manhattan, and I'm talking about near uh, Brooklyn Bridge and City Hall. There were thousands of people on the street who had already uh, gotten out of Tower 1, which was struck first. And so there was just people freaking out and screaming. I, I was there seeing the people jump out of the building, out of, out of uh, at first I thought it was debris, but it was actually people leaping to their death. And of course, I'm walking around with my tape recorder, sticking it into people's faces and asking them, what did they actually see? And how did this whole thing occur? And, you know, there were a, a number of people who, uh, you know, had the presence of mind to, uh, give me really good answers, which was that they got the hell out of there. And it, but indeed, there was a lot of confusion on the street and just thousands of people milling about in lower Manhattan, uh, in, um, in and around the city hall uh, complex. Some people walking to the uh, river, some people going up on the bridges. Uh, it was just absolute pandemonium. Now, Eric Williams, we in the studio have Kate, Kate um, Spinks, who's the curator of the museum's exhibit on 9-11. Uh-huh. One of the images they have is of dust-covered people in suits. Um, describe that image, please, Kate. Yeah, look, um, there's quite a few images, obviously, of, um, you know, people fleeing the site um, and yeah one of them is um, it's it's a black and white image it's the only black and white image in the exhibition um, the rest are all colour and yeah there's just a, a, a large crowd of people you know with sort of panic and disbelief I think on their faces running just completely covered in this sort of grey white ash now, now Eric when you when you think of that this is a, a very powerful black and white image in this exhibition everything else is colour do you think colour? Do you think blank and white? What's the emotive thoughts that you get? And is it colourful? Um, what are you seeing when you think back to 9-11? Well, uh, black and white as a format is pretty dramatic as it is. And I can see the, the uh, use of such a photograph in, in that case. Um, certainly, uh, once Tower 2 had fallen, and I'm talking about, if you can imagine this in a Melbourne context really fast, Imagine your, say, Parliament House being the complex or being the grounds of, uh, of Ground Zero in New York City, and imagine standing no, no further away than, say, Burke and Russell Streets, okay? That's how close I was to the, to the mm. collapse of the World Trade Center. Now, in that part of New York, many of the streets there, because it's the oldest part of the city, are as narrow as a lot of, the, of Melbourne's laneways. And so when Tower 2 had collapsed, there was this just... A tremendous amount of dust and debris that just knifed through a lot of these extremely narrow streets in that part of town. And so really it was a black and white image, even though it was a colorful day, uh, you know, clear like, like yesterday here in, in Melbourne, uh, practically uh, well, what the pilots would call a clear, severe day, you know, bright, pretty much a cloudless, uh, cloudless day. And all of a sudden, that being turned to gray and then to black and white. Mm. So, yes, indeed, I could imagine that would be the correct format uh, in, uh, in, in displaying that image in that moment at that time. 
Thank you for that description, Eric. That's um, fantastic. There's quite a few different images, as you can well imagine, because um, it's a collection of different photographers on the day, as well and other journalists that were there on the day, such as yourself. Um, there is an just to uh, there's another photo of a man in a suit. And he's about seven blocks away in um, was it Ful- Fulton? I think it was Street. Fulton Street. Yeah, yeah Fulton Street. And yeah, he's a man in a suit, and it's all grey on the ground. A very narrow street leading away to a narrow street with shadows, mm-hmm. and that in colour and again that's really uh, your description really hits home about this image as well and also there's another one in the exhibition as well of um, Brooklyn Bridge mm-hmm. and um, maybe um, Kate you could describe that one about Brooklyn Bridge when they've got um, the signs in, it's in colour, um, signs saying welcome to Manhattan Yeah, sure. and you can't see Manhattan at all it's just Indeed. completely covered yeah. with this sort of dust cloud. So there's a huge group of people exiting. Mm. Um, Some have actually masks on. In the background there's a dark cloud, a a grey brown cloud, but so you can't see anything of Manhattan. And um, the other side of the freeway is, or the other side of the bridge is closed, clearly. And some people are jumping that middle medium strip to get on the inbound one to get out as well. And it's quite, if you looked at it and you didn't know, you could say, oh, it could be a protest. Is that crammed with people on Brooklyn Bridge? Mm. Sure. Exiting. So it's just pandemonium and, and and to be able to speak to you today about being there firsthand and, um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Your closing thoughts, Eric. Um, it's now many years past 9-11. What's your closing thoughts as you look back to a day that you are intri- intrinsically involved with? Well, because I was there and because New York City is my hometown, I feel a, a, a profound sadness. I really have two emotions. One is a profound sadness as this day approaches. The other is a, just a, a bit of anger, too, in the way that, that people have used that day to exploit it, to frighten the American people. And, you know, as much pandemonium as, as there was on the street and confusion, you know, New Yorkers are pretty resilient Americans. And, you know, we didn't riot and totally freak out like a, like a lot of people would. You know, I mean, and having lived through the blackouts, which, of course, uh, you know, are pretty traumatic events in and of themselves. Um, I was really proud to be a New Yorker that day, and I would have felt terrible if I was anyplace else. Eric, we're we're actually very proud to have you today, too, because you're part of Joy's extended family. You used to be involved with Community Network News here at Joy. Sure. Uh, You've been a broadcaster of note in America, and you continue to be a broadcaster today and a journalist today. Uh, We thank you very much for your time, and I wouldn't mind actually uh, inviting you to come down with the uh, team here at uh, the Victoria Police Community Hour, and we'll go and watch the exhibition down at Victoria Police Museum together. I'd like that very much. So stay tuned, Eric, and we'll contact you. In fact, the listeners, we can uh, hear Kate shortly tell us where the exhibition takes place down at the Victoria Police Museum. Eric Williams, we thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Greg, and thank you to those in the studio audience uh, today. Very poignant day. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. All the best. Eric Williams joining us, who was on the ground not far away. Picture yourself watching Parliament House go up in flames, and it would be the equivalent of being at Burke and Russell, looking up the hill towards Parliament House, and we thank him for being on this show. This is the Victoria Police Community Hour. We are talking today with Kate uh, Spinks from the, of course, from... Uh, the curator of Victoria Police Museum and their 9-11 uniform response. We also thank uh, a, a caller or a messenger, Joe McLean has messaged in. He was sitting alone, home and alone watching Sandra Sully, of course, as people do in Melbourne. And just before he went to bed, she announced 
it, she announced what was happening in New York. Coming from New Jersey himself, he was very uneasy as his aunt and cousin both worked in New York. His cousin was close to the explosion and had shattered glass thrown into his face and luckily he got out but he also saw a second plane go into building two and as most ran to the ferries to get out. So uh, thank you Joe for messaging in. Uh, that's part of your family's experience. Uh, we're going to talk more a little bit later on in the show with uh, Kate Spinks about this exhibition but coming up, Daniel Schooler from No to Homophobia. You're on Joy 94.9. This is Victoria Police Community Hour and that was a fantastic song. That was of course um, some of our most special music coming out of Joy 94.9's music list and that was There Must Be an Angel by Eurythmics. Now Yay. we just heard before Eric Williams joining us who was actually on the ground at the 9-11 and Kate Spinks is in the studio with us but just before we come back to that we have an important announcement. We have a public appeal. This is um, from Crime Stoppers and uh we are searching for a man who allegedly exposed himself in Werribee inbound train in the early mornings on the 26th of May 2012. At around about 10 minutes past uh, midday, a woman boarded the train in Flinders Street Station. A man took a seat directly across from her and engaged in a conversation. As a train neared Newport Railway Station, the man allegedly exposed himself to the woman. The man is described as Caucasian, aged in his early to mid-40s with a medium brown hair and slightly greying. He was wearing a brown coloured jacket and we have released an image whom, of a man whom we believe may be able to assist us in our inquiries. Electra, how do they find that image? Of course they can go along to crimestoppers.com.au You can click on the state of Victoria and if you enter in the following case reference number, you'll go directly there. It's CA6376, or you can type in Williamstown Railway Line for this one. So it was an obscene exposure on the 26th of May 2012. And again, the images are very clear, um, thanks to the Met, a Metro train CCTV. They're in colour, very distinctive uh, receding hairline of this gentleman um, as he walks through the gates um, with his wallet open. Now, remember, with all these crimes, with these episodes of violence and with these wanted lists, if you see something... Say something. If you have any knowledge concerning any crime, call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000 or visit crimestoppers.com.au. If it's an emergency, always call 000. This is the Victoria Police Community Hour, the partnership show between Joy 94.9, the Anti-Violence Project, Victoria Police Glows, Crime Stoppers and, of course, you. You're the most important part of this relationship, listening here to this studio every Wednesday at 12 noon. And we've been having a conversation, of course, with Kate Spinks, the curator of the new 9-11, a uh, uniformed perspective exhibition at the Victoria Police Museum. Now, tell us a little bit more about how to go and where to see this fabulous exhibition. Yeah, well, uh, the exhibition is on until the end of March next year, so people have got a nice long period of time to get along and see it. Um, our museum is uh, in the World Trade Centre, um, which is 637 Flinders Street, um, in Docklands, um, and we're open 10am to 4pm Monday to Friday. Uh, and during the 9-11 A Uniform Response exhibition, we will be having um, a few uh, weekend and after-hours openings um, because obviously there's quite a few people who can't get along to the museum during our regular opening hours because they're at work or whatever. So um, keep your eye out on uh, on our website or 
on our Facebook site. And the um, website's on uh, police.vic.gov.au and you can just type in uh, Police Museum. Music. Exactly, yeah. And that'll t- go through. And you actually have other exhibitions running as well, as well as um, you change around um, everything that happens within the museum. So it's not just this that, that people can actually see. What else can they see That's there right. if they go down today? Yeah, uh, we also have another temporary exhibition on, which is um, from our own collection there, um, called Convicted, which is a, um, an exhibition of um, prisoner records from the 19th and early 20th century, which is quite interesting. Some very interesting, colourful criminal characters there in Victoria's history. And uh, we also have our permanent displays, um, which look at the history of policing and crime in Victoria. Um, now, check it out, because we'll, on Facebook, through the uh, Vic AVP Facebook site, we'll let you know when the team from this show are going to go down and, mm. and look at this exhibition. You'll get a chance to meet Eric Williams, who was in New York uh, during 9-11, who was our guest earlier. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we we'll collectively go. We'll make a date and come and join yeah. us. Come and meet the people behind the Vic Police Community Hour when we, we set our uh, And it's quite interesting, because we've talked about um, 9-11 and the terrorists, and also Russell Street is there, and the car bombing is actually there as well. So there's so much to see and do there but yeah maybe we should make it a public thing where we invite people to come down and, and meet we'll us do that. stay tuned and we'll let um, you know next week yeah. on this show and we'll tell you the date and time it'll be on facebook as well kate spinks thanks very much for being our guest today thanks for having me it's been a pleasure you're on the victoria police community hour listen to us right around the nation joy 94.9 now one of the big things taking place in uh, in i suppose the the whole sphere of tackling homophobia and dealing with violence and prejudice motivated crime and the response to it is no to homophobia which was launched uh, literally over uh, a fortnight ago on tuesday two weeks back and joining us in the studio is daniel school welcome daniel thanks greg now daniel you um Oh, I hope you don't mind me um, boosting your ego here a bit, but you are a communications expert and you're one of the creative talents behind pulling together uh, No to Homophobia. I was part of the team. You say part of the team. That's very modest, but you are you are um, in an interesting position to see the collection of community that came into this. It was headed by the Also Foundation that had received funding from one of the government departments to actually take the piece of work called With Respect Awareness Project one step further into actually the social change program that it now is today. And uh, that's Also Foundation. And the partners involved with that were also the Anti-Violence Project, Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights, Rights Lobby and Transgender Victoria. So you firsthand got to see the very strange way that gay community clicks together around interesting issues such as this particular one. What's the impression you have around um, community? Oh, well, I work with a lot of different uh, community organisations. I run a consultancy called Social Change Projects, which offers, I guess, communication support and strategic advice for campaigns like No to Homophobia, but also to, to other non-profits and uh, community causes. Um, so I'm, I'm used to working with quite an eclectic group of, uh, of organisations, and, and this campaign I came in, uh, I guess, midway through. Uh, the ads had already been uh, mostly, uh, they'd been filmed and mostly produced. And um, I guess my brief was to try to help uh, give the campaign as much uh, reach out in the community, particularly aiming at uh, people out in country areas and suburban areas and people who are, you know, traditionally um, less supported um, in terms of homophobic harassment and less informed potentially about where to get support, how to take action. Um, And uh, the approach to that was uh, partly through the media, through places like the Herald Sun and 3W and those kind of places, uh, and also through uh, social media. Mm. Now, um, one of our first responses in from communities saying they'd seen the ad was actually in country Victoria. 
So you've obviously got a plan that's going to evolve around where the ads take place and where people get to see them, and it seems to spread this across the state. So where, where are the, some of the first places that people could have seen the ads? Uh, well, the ads themselves are, are playing in country Victoria and across the country on Prime and Win TV, I think, as well. Uh, so they are getting out there for people, and they um, uh, the, the feedback we've had uh, is particularly powerful from people uh, out in areas where there, I think, it's fair to say there's more homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia, and uh, less uh, less support available. So for those uh, for those people, their their response has been really powerful, and they've really thanked us for getting out there and helping uh, people, give people the information they need to do something about it. And you're on the money there, spot on. Electris, we know that uh, in country areas people report only uh, one out of ten of experiences of prejudice, motivated crime, violence, homophobia gets reported by people. That's the research done by Archers and Latrobe. Uh, in the cities, it's three out of ten. I mean, six or eight years ago, it was less than three out of ten. It was probably close to one out of ten in metro areas. And so Daniel's on the ball in terms yeah. of the least supported or the least enabled or active people it's in terms of It's the isolation, isn't it, really, when something like this is happening, about being able to be um, get informed and find support, um, especially in these vulnerable areas where the isolation can be actually quite overwhelming, especially if you're being targeted in this manner. And that under that um, ongoing harassment, that low-level stuff has a huge impact. And I guess that's um, fantastic to be targeting those rural areas, as we know, because they are at risk in so many different ways. Daniel, we're rolling out AVP Connect at the moment right across Victoria and we have people, key people in various country towns coming on board and being supported to be the vector that which, in which people can connect to the AVP through communities. And I'll tell you, our workers on the ground are so impassioned by this campaign. Uh, it touches people. The stories, the stories that people in it say through the website, notahomophobia.com.au, touch people. Is that an important part of this process in this campaign? I think so. I think the the message, uh, like Electra was saying, is that harassment uh, it has serious it does serious harm. It uh, there's a, there's research that links it to uh, the development of anxiety disorders, depression, and even self harm and suicide. And uh, it's never acceptable for that reason. It's a health issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a joke or a bit of fun. Or it's a it's a ser- it's serious uh, business, and it's often an unlawful. And people, mm. I don't think people really understand, uh, you know, what is unlawful and what isn't. Mm. Um, and the three parts of the the ads, I guess, the apart from telling stories and showing situations in school, in sports, uh, in public places like cafes and at work. Uh, they depict the, some of the most common situations where harassment takes place. And they also um, direct people to the website, notahomophobia.com.au, which uh, gives people information where they can get informed, they can find personal support to get through whatever the situation is, and they can take action and work out what uh, they can actually do about it. Now, that voice is Daniel Schooler, who's the uh, one of the creative talents behind No to Homophobia. Stay with us. We've got more to discuss with Daniel. This is the Victoria Police Community Hour with Sergeant Electra Wellens, Victoria Police content expert at, uh, at the Tower of Power under which the uh, Chief Commissioner lives over there in Flinders Street, Victoria, and Greg Akins from the Anti-Violence Project. And joining us Again, it's Daniel Schooler, the uh, creative comms talent behind notahomophobia.com.au and that fabulous campaign. Now, I think uh, we've, we've got an idea that it's, it's working, it's resonating out in community. Um, and I've just remembered my tough question I want to ask you. Sometimes campaigns 
get snowballed by other things that take place. Now, we've had a huge discussion in the last few days about Peter Jensen, the ACL discussion about um, gay lifestyle being um, dangerous and, um, and unhealthy. So that's one snowball thing that's overwhelmed the airwaves around discussions. And the other one is it's always around gay marriage. Gay marriage pops up and people don't hear anything else. Uh, and at the moment, there's parliamentary debates that are taking a bit of the ether out. How can people um, continue to come back to important campaigns like this and make campaigns like No to Homophobia key parts of what they do, even when they do worry about homophobic comments by clerics and by debate in Parliament about marriage? How do you bring it back to important programs like No to Homophobia? I think there's always a... Uh, a variety of issues going around, and the way that you know the media cycle works is they jump on something and it's everywhere for you know, often 24 hours and then it disappears. So, one of the struggles and one of the challenges for no to homophobia will be how we sustain uh, that level of uh, profile and awareness in the community because it's not a you know ending homophobic, biphobic, and transphobic harassment isn't going to happen overnight. It's a long term. Uh, project, which uh, a large part of it is changing community attitudes and changing the way people think. So um, it needs to last longer than a week. Um, and I think, you know, I think the, the comments from Peter Jensen and um, uh, the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, they show um, the harm. They show the homophobia that's out there when it's given a, a public platform. Um, so in a way... It, it, now that they've had those yeah. comments, mm. now that should be a, a launching pad for people to then to step up and say no to homophobia and to do something. And maybe the resources of no to homophobia.com.au become even more important now that people are discussing the societal change that needs to take place so that the Jensen's of the world and the, you know, the Australian Christian lobbies of the world can't have that same traction. I think so. I think it's all part of the same discussion and even... Um, you know, marriage equality, uh, it's all part of the the, um, the overarching, uh, you know, uh, idea that, that, you know, we're all equal. That's right. And it's in a way it's like an oppression by, you know, by trying to keep a lid on the issues. And that's equivalent what a lot of people are trying to do. Um, by trying to push through the ceiling, a no to homophobia does that. And it's really giving people an, uh, a tool and to be equipped it's about how to do that, how to make that difference within their workplace, how to report something, become informed. And it's quite interesting because um, I know from the very early stages you've got a, quite a few different formats in which you can follow. Do you, do you um, really look at how many people have been accessing perhaps like your Facebook site and the website? Uh, yes, the response has been um, amazing. Online uh, the ads have already been watched over 40,000 times. I think it's 43,000 something last Fantastic. time I checked. Um, so that's, you know, a huge number of people have already seen uh, seen those ads and a, a lot of others will see them on TV when they're screened. Um, the website's had well over 10,000 uh, visitors, so they're people accessing information and watching the ads. And Facebook and Twitter have been very active with thousands of people on there having discussions, people sharing their stories uh, of what they've experienced and how they got through that. And also talking about things like the comments, you know, public homophobia and um, why those, uh, why we're, you know, that those kind of comments are not acceptable from anyone, let alone people who have this loud voice exactly. in the community. Exactly, and it's that importance, and we've seen that through um, basically 
the equity of, of marriage rights as well and that push is not just about the GLBTI community but it's about straight supporters, about sharing these links and spreading the word and it's actually quite interesting, I know on, on, I follow on Facebook on the No Homophobia conversations from a person in Scotland saying wow this is fantastic We're, I wish we had something like this here and this is the fantastic thing is it's a global movement that's happening but that's how important this work is and that's how important this piece is and that's why we really want people to champion this and share it on your Facebook, share it on your Twitter, get those links up and happening so it becomes greater. And by doing that, there's more exposure. But this comes down to a homegrown product here in Victoria, which is absolutely brilliant. Now, okay, I'll highlight, highlight the uh, effective way and the immediate way it is. Um, someone from No to Homophobia was having this really interesting conversation with a person stepping up and reporting some institutional homophobia that happened against them through accessing a particular service, government-run service. And... Uh, uh, maybe it was you, Daniel, maybe it was someone else from the team, but they were responding in a really appropriate way, gently guiding the person towards appropriate steps. And we were very lucky at AVP to have um, coffees and connect with this person before the show today and talk about that experience. And I think it validates uh, the work that's done through this campaign, the interaction on the website, validates people's experiences, makes them feel connected, helps to um, tell them that they're being heard and listened to by their community, their own peers in their community and it gives them strength and I just want to feed that back to you it gives the individual strength then to continue to have those conversations with the people that are being homophobic towards them so thank you for that yeah I think you're right I think it does and I think uh, it's easy to feel isolated and it's easy to feel that what you're experiencing you know is just you whereas one of the good things about the internet and social media is it enables you to connect with other people uh, who are facing similar challenges similar problems and um uh, I think un- undoubtedly uh, a Facebook page attracts people um, sharing their stories but also looking for uh, support as well. So how we link in with all the other, uh, like AVP, how we link in with other s- people who can provide that support is an important part of that. Now stay with us. That's Daniel Schooler from No to Homophobia. Uh, I want you to check out notohomophobia.com.au. I want you to hop on the email and email onair at joy.org.au and tell us about what your impressions are about notohomophobia.com. Uh, email or SMS 0427 JOY949. Go and look now and tell us the, the most important thing that you see first glance now about that website that resonates with you. And I want you to tell us, but I want you then to tell someone else. Email someone else at that link and check it out. You're on JOY94.9. This is the Vic Police Community Hour with Electra Wellens and Greg Adkins and Daniel Schooler, who's our guest today. He's staying with us. We're going to have more of a conversation. Don't go away. More of your favourite shows. JOY94.9. This is Victoria Police's Community Hour here on JOY94.9, partnership between AVP, Victoria Police Glows, JOY94.9, Crime Stoppers and you. And here's our next uh, Crime Stoppers. It's a Wanted. We're looking for a Stephen Andrew Purcell. His date of birth is the 1st of March, 1970. His height's 180 centimetres, solid build, blue eyes, brown hair, and he has a ruddy complexion. It is alleged that Purcell was involved in obtaining property and deception in Melbourne um, May this year. Warrants for his arrest have been issued in several other states as well. So again, it's a Stephen Andrew Purcell. If you've seen this person, please record um, any information to Crime Stoppers on 1800 and if you see anything suspicious, step up. If you see someone being harassed homophobically or there's verbal harassment on a train or tram, do something, say something. And if you see something... Say something. 
If you have any knowledge concerning any crime, call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000 or visit crimestoppers.com.au. If it's an emergency, always call 000. Vic Police Community Hour, Daniel Schooler. Um, you're a, a father, you've got a, a young son. What's your son's name? Uh, Rupert. Now, what's it like for you being part of a, a, a program that is going to change society? The aim is to change society around homophobia. Your son's going to be growing up in a world that maybe isn't as tolerant to homophobes as it was in when we were growing up. You know, the homophobes ran free. Um, abuse on the football field, sledging, um, taunts in the workplace were able to be um, done without any retribution or, or contact against them. Uh, on the streets, it's, uh, it was very difficult to hold hands with your partner if you're same-sex attracted uh, in the past. It's getting better now. Not perfect. But your son's going to grow up into a vastly different world. What's it like for you personally to have a campaign that's changing the world in which your son's going to develop into? Well, I hope, I hope so. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, change that's happened, like you say, but I think there's a long way to go. Um, just some of the stories that we've had come through the campaign show that, you know, people are still scared to walk down the street holding hands with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, so there is a long way to go. But, you know, my hope is that, that Rupert will grow up in a world where it's not an issue, where, you know, he can uh, just not even think about, um, not even wonder, is it safe uh, for me to act in the same way a, um, a heterosexual person would. So, you know, um, I think we're on the way. And um, all I can say is I hope that uh, the work all of us are doing does lead to a more uh, tolerant and equal society. And just as our messenger has messaged in, has a comment about discrimination, what does our messenger say, Daniel? Uh, Daniel from Brighton, I worry much of this public debate about marriage and health risks is normalising discriminatory comments in the public arena. Now, Daniel Schooler, thanks for reading that out. Daniel Schooler is the communications man behind notahomophobia.com.au. Notahomophobia is a fantastic uh, world cutting-edge campaign emanating out of here of Melbourne, going right across Australia. You'll see it on a TV station or a Foxtel near you. It's been a pleasure having you on the studio today. Thanks, guys. And, Electra, we've uh, come to the end of another show. Next week's the Lesbian Matters show yep. here on Joy 94.9. And we'll have Gab back in the studio with Lainey. Here on Joy 94.9. It's been a pleasure listening to you on the Community Hour. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.